just a reminder that we do have our Patreon, and if you could go and support us, that would be brilliant. It keeps the podcast going, pays all the bills and stuff like that, so it is really, really helpful, and we love everyone who's on there. Thank you very much. Go to patreon.com forward slash HM4AS, the four being the number four, and if you could give us a couple of quid a month, that'd be brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Hello. It's Mick and Lucy from the popular tattoo-based podcast, How Much for a Sleeve, and we'd like to give a few moments over to our new sponsor, DSM Tattoo Machines. Lucy, tell us a bit about them. Well, Mick, DSM Tattoo Machines make exceptional coils and now a new rotary. Tattoo machines, not guns. You can check them out at dsmtattoo.co.uk and don't forget you get 10% off with discount code SLEEVE10. They also make a range of needles. You can find them at lockdownneedle.co.uk. I think they're very nice. How much for the Hello and welcome to How Much for a Sleeve, a podcast about tattooing, hosted by an actual tattooist, Mick Tickner, and an actual knob, Lucy Richardson. How are, <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I saw you in human form this weekend. For the first time since about a year ago. Yeah. I forgot you had legs. And uh-huh. I actually said to you, I forgot that you how tall you were, actually. You've shrunk yeah. in my mind into borrower size because you only ever see me squatting over my little commode that I sit on to do this squatting over your squatty potty <laughs> yeah trying to pot- excrete <laughs> <laughs> well where yeah, we it was nice there? Wasn't it? <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a very fleeting visit but it was yeah. nice wasn't it got a photo oh. got a photo taken for the uh for the social store rings Got some lols, had a brief yep. lol, went to yep. Greg's. Yeah, got a pasty, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, you came in like literally just at the perfect timing when I just finished up a bit quick and had a little gap. So that was, oh, so nice to see. So, yeah, so weird to think that was the first time I've seen you in person since we started this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and we've spoke every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or seeing each other less um, yeah <laughs> it's been good though to keep us good at being friends it is. before i was very shit no you're not sorry i'm boring you well yeah. that's a weird face that was attractive i was trying to speak whilst still on the on the on the downstroke of a yawn <laughs> so i bet that was attractive lovely um you're only getting a short intro this time because you lucky fuckers have got a bonus episode bonus well so you're getting fucking shit loads of us so yeah um what else has happened this this week did you do some partying yeah got well canned up on saturday at the sports so that's good england won going into the semi-finals of the european championships which will be on wednesday i so didn't know that this came out yeah beat the beat ukraine four nil fucked them right up did they technical yeah. term yeah we did oh interesting yeah. so that was good we we're playing denmark on oh. wednesday and then the finals on sunday 
So, Sports. yeah, some of you, we might, yeah, most of you will listen to this after we've already, after, after we've won and football's come home. So, oh, shame he didn't win though. So, Scotland either, should have won. Either, do you know? <laughs> win. Scotland should have won. It's because uh, Scottish is my first language, English is not. That's why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we're on, we're on episode 22, which I don't know why it seems like a fucking big number. That is nuts. 22 people have um, allowed us to broadcast them into the world. Smart, isn't it? Hudson's up this this episode. What a nice man. What a talented man. Oh, yeah. I literally just want to get tattooed by everybody. Mm. Everyone everyone we speak to, I'm like, what can I get them to do? Yeah. Um, This is a gentle reminder, Hudson, that you did... Uh, verbally consent <laughs> to getting Frank Carter on the pod as well. So just leaving that there. Lol. <laughs> we'll know you hate us if we don't make it happen. And Dan self-made, you also said the same. So, you know, we'll Thanks determine if they're decent machines <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Thanks for sponsoring <laughs> us again and continued support, Dan. We'll speak to you soon. Um, yeah, should we just get him on? Yes. This is episode 22 of How Much for a Sleeve. Lucy's had to be muted for this because she's so appalling. This is episode 22, How Much for a Sleeve with Hudson. This is Good Time Charlie, and you're listening to How Much for a Sleeve. Today we're chatting to Hudson Tatty. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. No oh, you're Coming very on. welcome. Thank you. We're both big fans of your tattoos. Massive. Super nice. Thank you. And I think we're both we both wanted you to come on so we can both ask you if you're tattoo us, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a bit about you about yourself? Where where do you work and what part of the country are you in? Yeah, so I'm Hudson. Hello, everyone who doesn't know. Um, so I own and operate a shop in Worcester um, called Lock and Key. And then I also work part-time down in London um, at Rosa Mercy, which is owned by Frank Carter. Um, and I've been tattooing for eight years now. Awesome. How, so how often do you, are you down in London then? Um, it's usually, usually like one day a week, but then it, it kind of varies. But it's always definitely one day a week. But I've not been back down this year yet since we've been back at work. But that'll be from the end of June now. I'll be back there. Is that like a, a permanent resident guest spot type thing? Where... Pretty much, yeah. So originally, like, Frank just invited me down and he was like, oh, you know, just come do a couple of days and whatnot. And then uh, went, like, did that and it went really well. And then I was, I just kept asking to go back and then it kind of turned into a, a, a kind of a permanent thing. So it's quite good. That's awesome. I, th- I always think that sounds like such a cool option to do, like, one day a week in another shop. I know a few people because I'm in Suffolk, so literally about an hour outside London. Yeah. And yeah. I know a few local artists who do one day a week or two days a week in London. And I think you get the best of both worlds like that. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace because like Worcester, where I um, am mainly based, it's it's so quiet and it's it's pretty much a student town. Um, but like obviously London's just completely mental in comparison. So it's kind of nice seeing both sides of that and seeing the different sides of the industry being you know working in like a quiet town and then working in you know, the big city sort of thing so 
yeah it works I, out well where, yeah I feel the same like where I work it's like a really small little town and um and I guessed at origin um on, and in Brighton quite regularly so it is always nuts like you know stuff like getting the tube in and stuff it's just completely different to just casually parking in the local car park and paying two pound all day and just going to yeah. <laughs> like waving at your local hairdressers and stuff <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely a oh, different pace. Maybe you can be our our way in with to get Frank on the show. <laughs> I will definitely ask him. I'm sure he'll do it. He's quite a busy man, though. So uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. Catch him. <laughs> okay, He's got a lot going I'll on hold you to that. <laughs> I'll, mess- I'll message him later. Nice I'm going to ask you every single day. Yeah. Yeah. No, she won't. <laughs> Will you? I try Be not kind. to. <laughs> Did you do your apprenticeship in, in Worcester? Yeah, wasn't like the best apprenticeship or really even a full apprenticeship, but it was what it was. And I'm sure every Tassos has got their own kind of story of what apprenticeship they had or thought they had or didn't have. But yeah, it's a very loose word these days, apprenticeship, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What was your tattoo journey? Um, I guess it just went from, I mean, I was I dropped out of university because I just hated it. And then I kind of just did not a lot for a few years. And then I just started getting tattooed more and just taking interest in that and then started drawing things that I wanted to get tattooed. And then it just kind of spiraled from there, really. So it wasn't what I always wanted to do. It just kind of, I kind of fell into it almost, but yeah I don't know all the pieces kind of like fit together of what I'd done previously so I feel I think it kind of worked out for me that it wasn't what I always wanted to do because I kind of came into it very almost like innocent kind of I just everything was like new to me and it was all exciting and you know I could really I kind of learned what I liked and didn't like very early on rather than just being kind of blinded by how much I wanted it so not you know, it's probably not the story most people have getting into it because most people want to do it for the whole life. But, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I'm here and that's, you know, I work hard to kind of maintain whatever I've got going on. So just trying to earn, such... my, uh, earn my stripes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting question because everybody has a different story and like, and it is a real mixture of people who have wanted to do it forever and people who've just sort of lived a little and then and got into it. So, yeah, I love to hear people's stories about it. It is so interesting to me. And um, I think other people like to hear it as well, especially people who don't tattoo or who want to get into it, just seeing all the different ways it's possible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. So did you, um, have you always done traditional work or did you, have you sort of evolved into that style? It's pretty much been from day one. Like, I think... Growing up, the tattoos I saw were traditional tattoos and all I knew back then was that was all you could pretty much get. And then anything that wasn't traditional, I just, I didn't care for because I don't know, like where I grew up, it was kind of people who had traditional work or they had like black and gray kind of clouds and angels and stuff like that. And I knew I hated that. So back then it was like, I only knew traditional and that was all I knew you could do and get if it wasn't kind of black and gray, you know, sort of, sort of realism sort of stuff. But 
so yeah, it was pretty much from day one I knew that's what I wanted to do. Obviously, I've tried different things along the way, but it's always always gone back to traditional in some form. Yeah. And have you always done it in just black or have you sort of played around with colour as well? So for the first two years tattooing, I did just colour and it was colour everything, like didn't it? barely did anything, just black. Um, and then the shop I worked in for a while, um, there were five of us there and we all did traditional. Um, and it was pretty much we could all do the exact same work. Like you could come to any of us and get, you know, the exact same Sailor Jerry-esque design uh, in full colour. So I kind of made one day, like, just like a conscious decision to, I guess, break away from that and kind of try and stand out amongst that group of people. Uh, and that's when I pretty much just started just focusing on doing kind of black work, traditional. I still do colour now, but it's just not, you know, not as much at all. Yeah. I've seen like some of your recent work where it's mostly black and then there's just like a little touch of colour and I think that's lush. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was trying, I don't know, I kind of have like my comfort zone, which is just real, for me, it just feels real basic, kind of just bold lines, really peppery shading. Um, but I'm always kind of trying to push the boundaries of it a bit. So whether that's just adding a bit of colour or, you know, doing more shading or less shading or thicker lines, thinner lines. But it always kind of just goes back to just bold lines, peppery shading. That's just kind of my comfort zone and what people seem to like. And yeah, it's what I enjoy doing. So I can try and push away from that as much as I want, but it just claws me back every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it ain't break. Well, that's what then... I have to tell myself. You know, I was trying to like every morning I drive to work and I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll try this today. I'll try that. And then within an hour of being at work, I'm just like, no, just play it safe do what you know do what you get at and just can't go wrong then I feel but <laughs> we'll see it's um yeah I always think about it all the time like oh, should I just do something different but the thing is I just get asked for the stuff that I do and if I want to do something different like I'm not complaining about being busy it's obviously such it's great I'm so lucky but if I wanted to do something different I've got to wait like six months before I get a chance to do it. <laughs> so yeah. then by that point, I've sort of gone off the idea. And then I'm like, I'll draw, I'll be someone I've booked in for some random bit of flash I've drawn. I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to do more of that. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like there's, there's usually kind of a three to six month catch on period of time. Like if, you, if you're trying something new and that's how you draw like flash, it usually takes people kind of three to six months to, catch up and realize that that's where you want to go and I think for a lot of people they just don't have that patience and it's like you know if you're booked if you've got a waiting list of you know three to six months anyway then by the time you've got to the end it gets to the point where you can book new people in you've already talked yourself out of doing the new thing anyway so you've yeah, really got exactly. to if you're going to commit to something new you've really got to give everything but obviously it's honoring the customers that have already booked in for what you already do and if they've got ongoing work so I don't know I think like progression just has to come naturally rather than just like conscious one day yeah. like oh, I'm just going to completely change it and there's a few tattooers that do it quite well but you've got to be all or nothing I think and that's yeah it's it's so hard that's it and like I had I had a few things and I would like stay late to do it and stuff and then it it comes to the day and I'm like oh <laughs> and then by the time it's like the end of the day I'm so shattered I'm not enjoying it because yeah. I'm already ready to go home. So yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? 
get sort of stuck. But um, I guess if it's meant to happen, then it would just happen. Uh, where do you go for like inspiration for your designs or who are your favorite other traditional artists, whether they're historic or modern day? So I don't, let me think. So as far as like modern day artists go, I try not to follow anyone too closely anymore. Uh, the main reason is that with social media, you can just get sucked in to just, if you follow someone's work too closely, you'll just constantly compare yourself to, to them. And yeah. when you're trying to build your own style and progress and develop new ways of looking at things, if you follow too many artists too closely, you just end up taking in what they're doing right now. So I don't want to just be someone else that's just like replicating what everyone else is doing. Although, I mean, it's like with a traditional style, that's kind of the way it is. Like, and, and, that's, and that's what I love about it is it's just the same image used and used and used. Um, so what I try to do to go against that is just obviously just, I, I buy a lot of books about tattooing and various other things. And what I love is just trying to find the original source image of like classic designs. I mean, I recently found out where like, for example, the crawling pamper originally came from. And it was um, from a kid's book. Really? Weirdly enough. Yeah, it's just literally just a little illustration. It was in a, a children's book. And then um, it kind of got developed into a tattoo design. So, and now it's probably the most iconic, you know, one of the most iconic traditional designs. And it originally came from a children's book. So it's stuff like that, like the history of these designs. That's what kind of like drives me. Like obviously traditional tattooing like started out with, you know, sailors getting that kind of imagery and based on, their accomplishments or you know their day-to-day life and stuff like that like ships and anchors and all that kind of stuff like I think that's what drew me into tattooing and has continued to like draw me in is is that history of it it's it's more than just the image and I think in modern day a lot of that stuff's got lost so Mm. in my work I do like trying to honor those themes and the kind of historical significance of those designs so yeah basically I just try and I'm not trying to find stuff that's like different to everyone else but it's more just trying to find the, the real classic stuff that has the most kind of I don't know just stands out the most and it's just very iconic so that's what I like I just like I like traditional designs that look like traditional designs yeah I, you know I don't want to reinvent the wheel sort of thing like, <laughs> if, if it's not broke don't fix it so that's yeah. how I always feel about the kind of things I draw and what I'm drawn to is that it's just the classic stuff that you can't go wrong with and I hope that kind of is apparent in my work but I don't know if it's just me that sees that but we'll see I don't know well it's no it's definitely it definitely is and um there's like we when we posted when we chatted to Dan Dan self-made um we sort of do like on our Instagram page we'll do a post about the episode and then a couple of posts of tattoos have done and one of them was like a I think I did the Burt Grimm posted one of those Burt Grimm speed skulls that he'd done yeah and I posted that and we'd spoken a bit about you with Dan because Dan sponsors a podcast I don't know if we said that before um <laughs> and he had mentioned he you your name had come up and then um and we were just chatting about how great you are basically <laughs> and then when I posted the speed skull um, Mick said oh is that is that Dan's or is that Hudson and I said no it's it's just a, a traditional image that's used a lot but it's comes from Burt Grimm 
so like I guess if um yeah there's so many images and that is just traditional isn't it images that have been used and they started somewhere and they're good enough designs to have stuck around for this long but there's one page do you follow an instagram called um tattoo origins i think it's called yes yeah 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 super interesting because some of them are like yeah like you said kids books or just like a flyer or victorian yeah, imagery they came and from stuff everywhere and, it's crazy yeah totally i don't know if like the origins of stuff it's a lot of the references are so obscure and i think it's because obviously like back then they didn't have the internet and stuff so you just had to look anywhere and everywhere for just something that was different and would stand yeah. like pretty, you know make you stand out against like other artists um because tattooing was so competitive back then i mean obviously there were a lot less tattooers and it's different in the uk but i mean everything i know about tattooing is based on like american tattoo history and i mean there'd be like one tattooist per state if that sort of thing and if there was anyone else within you know so many miles there'd be a big rivalry so I think it pushed tattooing so much more then because everyone was just really fighting against each other to stand out and the artists that found these references are the ones that really did kind of you know stand out way above the rest pushing boundaries and and stuff like that yeah it's funny with the rivalry that like we spoke to Professor York um, a little while ago. And I did, um, have you ever heard of him? He does like 10th yeah, century style tattoo. Yeah. And he does all these, like, he sort of replicate, replicates um, old business cards and stuff. But the business cards are saying, like, pain free tattooing, tattooing seven colors, the best tattoos in the world. And they just had to do everything they could to try and sell yeah. themselves. Like, come to us and not fucking old Samuel over there. Like, yeah, just, it's mad. But they, yeah, what a way. Imagine, can you imagine putting on your Instagram page now, like, pain-free tattooing? Oh, you just get laughed out the door. Like, you just, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't yeah. do that stuff anymore. And it's, <laughs> it's sad, but I don't know, like, I think you have to have some level of, like, ego about yourself, but it has to be, like, a healthy amount, because at the end of the day, like, people are trusting us with their body. So we've got we've got to appear knowledgeable about what we do, but this, yeah. but with how many tattoos there are now, it's like it's a bold statement to claim any of like that stuff. So yeah, there's got to be a fine line of you know what what is like reasonable confidence, and then what is just like you know ego that's just unhealthy. Yeah, that's it. My business card will be like tattoos on one color. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Out of like your, with tattoo books and stuff, what, what do you think is like your favourite book that you've got or has been your most um, valuable sort of find or useful find? So there's three books and only I don't have them up with me. Um, who is it now? It's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> I can, I, can, I just can't think of the name. No going to really know. I know the cover, but I don't want to. I don't want to sit here on the phone looking it up. That's right. If you want to, so, that's all right. No, you're fine. Looking. Don't worry. If you want to look it up, like I want to know let me, now. Let me look. Yeah, let me you're look. Fine. It's just like it's literally the best book in the world. I recently got um, tattoos from the Bowery, and it's just so good. Oh, that see that yeah, that's the one book I would say like if there was one book I could, you know, take with me anywhere, 
and the only book I owned, that would be it. Um, yeah, just so far, as far as like, just, just, I don't know, it's just so stereotypical, like traditional. And yeah. it's such a good building block for those type of designs. Um, yeah. And there's this like, there's literally just like 15 pages of eagles actually you know what I totally lied there because I said I had it but basically like there's a guy I do like a little shout out his Instagram name is JCP Flash I think JCP yes. painter JCP Flash anyway yeah. I found it because he did this painting and it said oh how much for a sleeve and he sent it and I was like oh that's great and then and um, he's a really good flash painter. He doesn't tattoo, he's a teacher. His flash is so lush. And um, he posted about the tattoos from the Bowery book. And I said, oh, is that, is it worth getting? Um, and he said, oh, if there's one book you need, then it's that one. Like it's the only book I'd ever want, basically. And he said, he said, how much is it going for at the moment? I said, oh, I found a couple on eBay, you know, like over a hundred or something. And he said, I'll send it I'll send you the pdf and you can have a look so he sent me the pdf but I was just like fucking hell like you don't know me at all yeah. but it was just such an act of kindness I was just like overwhelmed because it was in the middle of lockdown and I was like I really want the book but fuck, that's a lot of money because tattoo books are but yeah just so just so nice of him people are well nice so yeah I've got a um I've got a link on my phone to a, a Flickr account that's just got like it's like 20 different like books like that sort of thing so i'll send you that after this oh so yes like please absolute gold mine like you could just uh. have a career based on what's in those uh. pdfs on that but it's it's great um on the subject of the best book i ever got um it's quite a recent book that came out um uh, doc king tattoo designs um and doc king basically worked with um armand deutzel back in the 1920s in america and mm. it's just like it's just a fantastic book like it's just I mean I was looking at it earlier today and it's just it's got everything in it everything you could ever want so traditional design wow. oh, so cool. docking that's the one to look at and it's quite hard to find any of his stuff but um I kind of found out recently that a lot of production flash from the kind of 1920s onwards was all drawn by him but sold under the name of other artists like Milton Zeiss and oh, that wow. kind of stuff um so he was like a very prominent tattooer back then but in modern day not doesn't get the credit he kind of deserves, I guess, but that's just, you know, American yeah. traditional tattooing. <laughs> it's all oh. and stolen and whatnot. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was like um, some, like, there's, I speak about this all the time, but Ultra Tattoo Suppliers, all the flash that they used to sell in the 70s was literally just everything was, like, just ripped off from somebody else. And it, was, it wasn't it was traditional. It was all just, like, typical sort of 70s stuff. But, yeah, totally yeah. just ripped off from whoever they could find <laughs> and then sold in photocopied versions yeah um, <laughs> some of that's i love though. that though like i love that side of tattoo where it is just really bootleg like that's just yeah yeah the best part of tattoo like the, the, its history but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but then now it's crazy because if anyone copies our work now it's like the worst thing they could do but like oh, back then it God was forbid. just the normal yeah yeah like, and that, i have to stop myself now is like if people copy a design that it's it, it, a design that I can honestly say is mine um I can I have to like stop myself now because I just think like the whole style of traditional is just borrowed and stolen and reworked <laughs> so I kind of have to think like it's cool that I'm inspiring a kind of 
next generation of it but it is it does kind of hurt sometimes when it's like a design you really like and you're like or yeah. if it's something you haven't tattooed yet and someone else tassoes it and you're just like don't uh, <laughs> uh, to it but you know it's what is, what is the it is what it is what is the etiquette if that's the right word it, when something like that happens is it is it just getting a huff moan about it in your group and then carry on or, or you know should you say something or do do people say something do people yeah. say something that's english there is no right or wrong <laughs> word, like answer for it that's the thing is depends on the personality i think of the person that's been nicked from yeah the thing is and the thing as well like some people just don't care like if you i mean i've called people out in the past and i've been sitting and say i haven't but and for some people they're genuinely like i'm really sorry like you know i was just trying to honor what you do and i'm really inspired by you and they kind of turn it around and, and you, you go into it like guns blazing being like you know i'm gonna give this person peace of mind and they end up being really nice and polite and they're just somebody that loves your work so and, and that makes it so much harder because it's like i want to go you know i want to go off at someone and i want to kind of give them a piece of my mind but yeah. when they're really polite to me i'm just like going oh thanks ah. mate <laughs> yeah and that's the thing and it's just like like where do you stand with that because it's i don't know it's hard but as i say like, like i mean the whole basis of this style like traditional tattooing is that it's just borrowed so i, I think like yeah. for me personally like if a customer came to me and they were like look i've seen this design online uh, it, it's not by you it's by someone who lives the other side of the world you know would you be happy to do your version of it i'd be like that's fine like i can take the the idea and adapt it to work with how i how i draw and tattoo and for me that would feel like i've done enough but for some artists they just don't care like they will just literally yeah you know they'll take my flash and just be like yeah cool let's do it and you know the, the one thing people always say and it's really it, it's really annoying to hear but it may but it's so true is that if you're going to post your work online you've got to expect to be copied and yeah it's it's the harsh reality of it but it's it's just how it is unfortunately and whether that's down to the customers getting that tattoo or the people doing the tattoos like i would hope that the tattooists copying or replicating those designs would kind of would say like you know i can do my own version of this or i can do a better version or a different version but some of them i mean for some artists that's just not the case they just don't you know then they're, they're not that kind of tattoo where they're going to sit for hours drawing something from scratch and and that's fine and like that's yeah. up to them <laughs> you where know, i'm not going to it... sleep over it <laughs> yeah i know that's the thing you're right like once you put designs in the public realm people will just take them and um like the most annoying ones I have had is where it's been something custom designed for specific reasons. There's like sentiment in there. We've done like something for someone's nanny and something else for someone's auntie or whatever. And then somebody copies that and you're like, yeah, it's annoying because you've drawn this custom tattoo for a person who wants a one-off. And then someone else in Brazil has got it as well. But I guess, yeah, you just can't stop it. But when it comes to your flashbook, would you expect people to use that as um, inspiration or do you sell your flashbook with the knowledge that people will just use the stencils? So on the first page, it does say like, you know, I would please respect the, the wearers of these tattoos and don't replicate the designs. And it just says like, you know, just be inspired by it. And 
I mean, I do get people tag me and stuff that they're like, oh, taken from the Hudson stencil book. And it's, uh, yeah, again, it's like, if I'm going to put that out there, I've got to expect it. I mean, I've I've written what I need to write in the first page that says, like, yeah. please honour this. But yeah. some people just don't understand it and people don't understand the etiquette of it. And that, that's fine. Like, I'm, you know, I've, I've made the money off it. So it's like, if yeah. they want to do that, then like, but that's that's, that's the purpose of like, when you put flash out there or a book or something like that is I think a lot of people now like to think that they just put their you know they're selling prints because people are buying their art and they want to frame it in the house and stuff like that and for the most part that is the case but the reason people used to sell flash back in the day is that if you buy a piece of flash you own those designs and you can use it and that was the purpose of it is they would sell it to other tattooists so they could put it on the walls of their shop yeah. And it wasn't sold to the public. And that's the difference now is that we sell things for, you know, more so the public than people in the industry. Like, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't feel like many of the tattooists buy what I do. I mean, they probably do. And I just, you know, don't notice it when an order comes through or something like that. But a lot of it is just my customers or people like my sketchbook, for example, a lot of my customers got a hold of the book you know because their tassel design was in it so oh yeah it's there's a lot of ways of thinking about it but it's one of those like you you have to understand all this if you're going to put your work out there and it's it's a harsh yeah. reality for a lot of like newer artists but I think once you've been in it so long you do just realize that it's just you know if you post stuff online or you sell a physical object or a print or a book or anything like that it's it's potentially going to get copied or stolen or used. I mean, I had a few years ago, um, some guy in Brazil, like, stole a load of my designs and just started printing them on T-shirts. And I was just like, and there's just nothing what? I can do. Like, <laughs> and it was like, hadn't even redrawn them. They were just straight up like, I mean, I loaded a load of my designs once for like customers to look at and it, it just took the design, put it on the T-shirt. And I was just like, you know, there's nothing I can do. But it's... Wow. It just happens, unfortunately. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> and I suppose for people's flashbooks, like generally they, they sort of say in them either please don't use them or feel free to use them, do what you want with this, tattoo from it, or just put it on the coffee table if you want. But yeah. so I guess, yeah, it just depends on the person or, and what the book's actually for. I suppose if it's stencils or stuff you've already done, that's different to a book of flash. But um, yeah, you're right, like, people would buy the flash and put it on the wall and just tattoo from it. And sometimes I wish we could just go back to that sort of lifestyle. Like you've got a customer, which one are you going to have? Choose. Okay, great. Let's do that one. I'd, I'd love that. <laughs> that would be just, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. But and, and yeah. you can have that life and you can have that career, but you, you have to really work for it now. And people don't necessarily know that they can get that stuff tattooed. I mean, my station at, yeah. um, the shop or like the shop I run is I've got all my flash like on the walls and it's all you know my corner of the room it's just all my flash and I get people sat there and they're like oh so like are these your designs I'm like yeah they're like oh do you tattoo those I'm like I mean I can do if you <laughs> if you want it like I don't just do it to decorate the place like this <laughs> but but that's just like modern that's how modern tattooing has changed it's yeah it's just so different now like people don't realize what they can have or what you know what is kind of considered normal it's yeah it's good and bad. It. it's progression like you have to just roll with it and you know exactly 
and there was a time where it was so unheard of to do custom tattoos you know people like Ed Hardy and Good Time Charlie and they were so they were like pioneers by offering yeah. custom tattooing and everyone was like what <laughs> why are you doing that and then um and yeah now we've just gone full circle and it's it's we're just everyone does that everyone does custom work but um yeah it's mad I love the history of it I could just talk about it all day the history of tattooing and that's one of the best things to have come out of this podcast is just having learned so much and each person we speak to we learn something else so it's um thanks for being part of that (laughs) (laughs) honestly like when I when I get onto the subjects of it I can just just talk and talk and talk and I've just talked to customers about it, like the history of a design or something like that. And they just don't care. And I'm just like, oh, God, yeah. no, you need, you need to understand, like, Bert Graham was the, the best. Like, this school you're getting, it's like, you don't understand the significance of this design. And and that's the thing. But that, I think that's the, like, people like me who are trying to honour that, like, that's so important, is that there will come a point where, like, these designs will get forgotten. And yeah. people won't want, you know, they won't want that crying heart or that, you know, speed school or something like that that they've seen a thousand times because it's, you know, like, what's the point again? And it's like, the point is you're honouring hundreds yeah. of years of history that's come before you. And that's that's what I feel like as a traditional tattoo, you should always be aiming for is just, just passing that torch onto the next person and passing a bit of knowledge and just inspiring people. Because they are dated the designs like a lot of them there's a lot of them that are pretty you know not acceptable anymore there's a lot of very racist traditional oh. designs yeah really bad stuff but yeah. it's hard because it's kind of like do you completely disregard that or do you still have to try and honor it in a way and it's yeah it's i don't know it's down to the customer getting it like if a customer's asking for that design and you don't think they've got a kind of menacing reason to get it then I personally don't see the problem with it but it depends like it's it's kind of not my place to ask why someone's getting it all the time and if, if it's a I mean if it is an image where I'm just like I can't you know I can't do that I, mean, I can't post that online like if I wouldn't be if I wouldn't comfortable posting it online I'm not going to do it but yeah it's but that's just tattooing like you hear so many stories of people getting various things and like the people that are doing that and they're agreeing to do it is I don't know you have to just I don't know you have to just kind of go by your own code of what you think is acceptable and it's but it's hard like it's a cultural thing I think and different countries have different you know kind of things that are acceptable I think like that's why I feel quite lucky in the UK is there is so much so many different cultures like all co-living and it's that there's just so I don't know I can't think what I'm even it, saying now but it's like yeah, there's just so much going on there's so many different by, things you meet yeah and it's it's all open for you know to learn and it's so multicultural yeah, that we just meet so many different people and it's interesting and it's easy for us to learn about other cultures yeah. whereas like Sailor Jerry he was in Hawaii his most he had this absolute hatred because of things that had happened like Pearl Harbor and stuff and then his hatred then reflected in his tattoo designs and I think people looking at stuff would just think 
shit that's really fucking racist oh that's horrible but they don't think about actually you know 1950 everybody can thought like that yeah. because they've just been at war and and it was just completely different and it was and like some of this um the ultra flash there's stuff in there like fucking hell there's like KKK designs and just like a little merry yeah, man in a cloak. There's stuff I've got on a memory stick that's like, you know, people would like just cry seeing it. It's ridiculous. But yeah, it's, but it's still uh, a part of history. Not yeah. that I condone the designs or anything, you know, I wouldn't tattoo them, but it's just that is a part of, of tattoo history. Somebody drew them at one point and that's just what happened. It's history. But it is, yeah, it's mad to see, to think now that people were just were like that but then I suppose we're probably going to look back to this age in 20 years and think fuck I can't we, I can't believe we ever drew that rose like it's so offensive not that's comparing like, that this is dangerous surgery, isn't it like <laughs> yeah like there's designs I see now and I just think like what are people doing like yeah and I mean I'm not going to sit here and like bash on people but it's like anything like pornographic in tattoo and I just don't I don't agree with it and I'm not into I mean, that, I've got yeah. I've got a lot of respect for anyone getting that. If if they're that comfortable with their like sexuality and stuff that they can, you know, wear that on their body proudly, then I've, you know I've got all the respect in the world for them. But I just don't think that kind of stuff's going to stand the test of time, and I don't yeah. think it honors the traditions of tattooing. And but at the same time, it's like I think tattooing's always been a little bit tongue in cheek, and it has to be. Like yet again on the side of Jerry's subject, this some of those designs, like although some of it was quite racist at the time, it was done in a way where it's it was always kind of like comedy based, which I'm not saying that makes it acceptable, but yeah, the way that they were drawn, it's like if you look at it now, it's like you know, on the surface, it's like, oh, you know, that's something to do with Pearl Harbor, but the way he'll have presented the design, it's kind of like at the time it wouldn't have come across as like in a menacing way or something like that it's yeah there's I don't know and I think that's what drew me again into into traditional designs is comedy can exist within it and it's great like I mean it's the the, the standout side of Jerry design is the monkey uh, that's bent over and it says aloha and then it's like oh it's like you know <laughs> yeah. is a is butthole but it's like stuff like that it's like you know why is someone getting that no one probably ever got that tattooed but it's just it's just funny like enough it is yeah and whatever that meant at the time is you know it's probably lost now but it's i don't know i think yeah if you can make something lighthearted and know that you're not doing it with negative kind of intentions then yeah things can be presented in a certain way but you know that's there's one designer that's it yeah in in that 70s in the ultra flash is a design and it's um it's a it's a monkey sitting on a toilet in a banana and underneath it says go bananas and I was booking him with Lau Hardy and he said I said oh I've got to have something out of this flash and um he said what are you gonna have and I sent him a picture of that and I was like let's do this one and and then a few weeks later he was like are you sure about having that design because I don't know I don't know if it's a bit offensive but I was like I was actually I was joking I don't want that (laughs) (laughs) anyway oh good like oh my god oh you obviously don't know me well enough now <laughs> yeah i was like no i think i'm just gonna have a rose <laughs> there's stuff i haven't in decided those, why i'm having that there's stuff in those ultra flashes that is that is just weird as well isn't there like oh yeah it, 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 they they the dick egg. Been, yeah like a dick coming out of an egg i they, they put them in there surely they're that that in itself is for a laugh 
That, I've got that on the wall in the shop. We'll have these, for... these, these nine things on a flash sheet. Eight of them are smart, but fucking let's have a dick coming out of an egg because no one will have it. Yeah. It'll be amusing for someone to go, oh, I wonder what that is. Or pretend yeah. to, to, why don't you get that? That's really nice. And try and, you know, take the piss out of someone and try and make them get it. And then say, no, I'm only joking. You can't have that. It's a dick coming out of an egg. Pick one of the rest. You know? <laughs> I think that's it. It's like, I think a lot of the stuff like that's in these flash sheets and we're on the walls of tattoo shops, it was, it was just because they could. I think it was because yeah. they, they thought it was going to sell. It was just like, how funny would it be if someone got that design? And, yeah. and there were people coming in and getting it probably. And I think, I think that's great. Like I, I love that side of Sato and where it's like, you just do it because you can. And yeah, you know, <laughs> someone would do. I mean, I, there's designs I put on sheets now and I'm not like, they're like safe designs, but it's it's stuff that I'm like, I know no one's going to get this tattoo, but it's something I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is where the whole got like pornographic tattooing started is where someone just put like, someone on a sheet one day and there was just like someone got it and then someone else got it and then someone you know it just went on like that and I think that may be where a lot of tattooing came from and has gone is that it's just something that someone just did one day and didn't think anything of it and it caught yeah. on and yeah but you, I don't know, you've got to take the risks I think and just sometimes just do stuff that I wonder if there's know, like a, it's not for everyone like a shock factor as well because there's always yeah. someone trying to say you know, trying to say the most offensive jokes or, you know, write songs about really aggressive things and then, you know, you used to be able to shock people just by having a tattoo, but now everyone's got one. So people try and write, I need to have this 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 on me to make people go, ooh, again, because I like, because I'm, I think I'm something that, you know, I want to, I want to shock people. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like body modifications yeah. getting more and more yeah. severe and then, which is all fun and games until your scarification artist goes to jail. Like, so I think like now it's all amplified by social media where it's like, yeah, the, the shock value for a lot of artists work is how they get a foot in the door. And I mean, yeah. it's like all those pages that, um, oh, well, like, there's like that Instagram page, Sucky Tattoos. What was the one yeah. that got deleted recently? Oh, was um, it like, um, oh, it was stuck. It was like, it was something about, it started off what people ask for, or it was... Um... Yeah, it was just like a meme page, isn't it? But then it originally yeah. just started people posting like really bad tattoos that people got in like prison or, you know, rednecks getting stuff like, and, and people just doing like drunk party tats and stuff like that. And then it got to the point where people are trying to get on that page, like they're tattooing <laughs> that stuff purposely. Yeah. And it's like, they'll tattoo like a dick on someone's like butt cheek and it's like just to get on that page or like yeah. a stick man with a lawnmower on someone's pubes and stuff like that and it's like yeah and this is the thing with tattoo now it's like you can get further by doing tattoos like that than you can by being good and i think that's where as well like the whole ignorance style has come from is it's it's more accessible for the public to to see tattoos that are really badly done on purpose or have that shock value and it makes it more real for some people i think and it, I, yeah. know. I think that's yeah. one thing about modern tattooing mean, i just i really don't get it's just that bad is good now and that being good just isn't enough anymore and it's it, I no. it. but <laughs> there could be a like a thousand ex, like incredible tattooists and then the one person who does something just a little, I don't know, just a tiny bit different, I guess. And it might be a real pony tattoo, but just something a little bit different. Everyone's like, oh, oh, I'd rather have that than this 
perfect portrait or <laughs> something. Yeah, it's weird. Like, how I explain it to people is that, I mean, with that, ignorant style is the main one. And I've got to be honest, I hate it. I just don't get it at all. But I think the, as, like, the appeal of it is, and how I explain it to people is, people want a tattoo that looks like they could have done it themselves. And it looks yeah. kind of like something that they do on a friend or something that they stick and poke on someone. And for a mainstream like audience, it it makes it more accessible. And I think people are intimidated by artists that have, you know, large followings or waiting lists and stuff like that. And I think that's why it's opened it up to all these kind of underground artists that are breaking through now. It's it's because it's it's more accessible than going about it the right way and doing an apprenticeship and working yeah. conventions and building up slowly over years and people just want that instant fame now like they want to just yeah. blow up on the internet overnight and then just coast off that success and does it maintain a career i'm not sure but they're doing it and i mean i mean i don't like that kind of stuff but fair play if they've got the balls to do that kind of stuff then yeah you know, i think fair play to it but not for not me <laughs> i think we've said it before like probably loads loads and loads of times but people want to get into tattooing and they see people with big followings and they see their lifestyle and the stuff they want to post on Instagram and their flying business class or they're always traveling and and then and they think oh that's like you know that's what being a tattooist is like how do I do that let me buy a machine on eBay and um and start see the 15 years work that's gone in to get into that yeah yeah, or their 90 hour weeks or like the stress when somebody emails you at 10 o'clock at night wanting to change their design for the next morning and uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. That's the like, thing is like people want to buy into the lifestyle, but I mean, I'm yet to see the lifestyle. And I've been I know, yeah. It's like, where is that? I mean, <laughs> it's like, where, where is the promised land? Because I just haven't found it yet. But yeah, there's, there's always got to be a balance, I find. But it's like you either have, time money or like a personal life there's never you can never have all three yeah. you have to just pick two and be comfortable with it like if yeah. you want the kind of rock star lifestyle you're gonna have to work your ass off to get it because it, it doesn't yeah. come easy so like i mean you're gonna have to sacrifice something and that's the thing is like you've always to be successful in tattooing like something you have to remove parts of your life that aren't helping you get anywhere and it's yeah it's a big shock for people getting into it. And I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't cover it up when people try and like ask me about like tattooing. They're like, "Oh, so what's it like being a tattoo? How do I get into tattooing?" I'm just like, "Look, like you're gonna have to work really hard, and you're gonna have to sacrifice everything. Like you've got yeah. to." And th- and I feel like that's if you do a proper apprenticeship, like they will break you down as a person. But then they will help you. Like if it's if you have a good mentor, like they'll break you down and they'll mold you into someone that is like better. Like if if you, they've got respect for you and you've got respect for them, it's like they will build you up to be the best person you can to execute the best tattoos on a daily basis and make money and have success. But, it, you know, it's a long road to get there. And for a lot of people, it's, it's not realistic for a lot of people. And I think that's what, from the outside looking in, people don't realise that you've got to work hard. And it's yeah. a lot of work and it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It doesn't. You get busier and then you've got more boring. <laughs> And more emails exactly <laughs> when, when I got my when I got the apprenticeship that sort of that I kept and stayed at the shop by now Grant said um he was like so what's your social life like 
say goodbye to your friends and it was literally the first day I was there he was like I hope you're not that busy <laughs> and and it's true like when we were in lockdown my friends were like this is really nice we've got time to text you're you're available on the phone and then as soon as I go back to work they're like hello <laughs> it does it is all consuming but yeah. if it wasn't all consuming then you're not into it enough really in so my it's got to be I always describe tattooing as a relationship opposed to like a career. And it's, I mean, cause it's not a nine to five job and it can be a nine to five job, but you're going to sacrifice something along the way to get to that point. So, you know, there's, it is a lifestyle and it's, it, I'd say, it, I always feel like it's a relationship. Like, I mean, going through lockdown, it was like, I felt like I'd gone through a breakup because it's like the thing you love, you can't see it and you can't, you want to talk to it and you want to talk about it and you want to be involved with it, but it's like, you can't go and you can't, I mean, you can go there, you can go to the studio or the shop and sit there, but it's not the same because it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It, is, it is this massive thing and it's hard. Like, I mean, I'm quite lucky that my girlfriend, Kirsty, like she's a piercer. So she's, she's within the same industry, but she doesn't understand that how much I think about tattooing. And I mean, <laughs> I, I love her and I love my daughter very much, but I love tattooing a lot. I, I hate to say it, I love him a lot more. But it's love- in a different way. <laughs> but it's in a different way. I'm going to listen I mean, to this and I, I can just imagine the look. It's not the first time I've said it. But I, I mean, yeah. I, as, as much as you can love this, like an idea of something, I love tattooing a lot. And yeah. But it's, it, yeah, one of those things where you have to find the balance with it. Like I'm, I'm pretty lucky now that I've got a good balance of home life and work life. And I mean, I work now alternate days. So I work like um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm like at the studio one day and I'm here a day. So it, I always get a nice balance where it's like I get to spend time with my daughter and my girlfriend and then I also get to spend time with tattooing. So it's kind of, it's like, I mean, it's like I've got a second family being in tattooing. It's <laughs> kind of like, um, I get the best of both worlds. But it's, but that's like, that's took me, you know, that's taken me a long time to get to that point where I, I can yeah. balance work and home life. And I mean, I have no social life outside of tattooing. Like, you know, I don't socialize at all. Like I, don't, I mean, I don't drink or anything else anyway. So I think if you're an adult and you don't drink, it's like your social life gets cut quite a lot. People think you're weird as well. Like I've, I used to work with a, with a girl who didn't drink and like every time we go to the pub and the, do you want to drink yeah just lemonade please well nothing else and she'd have to yeah. go through this whole thing of like oh i didn't realize you didn't drink was that and it's like because i don't know does it matter why do you give a fuck just let yeah. me have a le- lemonade we want to talk about stuff that isn't work and i think yeah it is weird how it, especially english british people react if you tell them you don't drink there's a like something wrong <laughs> or or you or you're a recovering alcoholic because that's the only reason that you would not do something yeah because you've done it too much that's thing like i mean i've done all this stuff like I'm, in my early 20s like you know i did what people in their early 20s did but now it's just like i mean it came to point with tattoo anyway it's like that's so like once i got to the point where i could step back with tattooing and have a social life again it got in the way of tattooing because i was just drinking more than i should have and on work nights and stuff like that and then when you're coming to work drunk, still drunk or hungover, and then stuff like that, it's it's not worth it. Like if you want to make yeah. something of yourself. And I mean, like 
I pretty much lost the job at studio because of that at the time, like because I just let my social life kind of take over from my career. And it was like a big reality check having to step back and be like, okay, yeah, that did happen. But I think that's now why like I do commit so much of my life to something because it's like it was almost taken away from me by me not taking it serious. And yeah. for a lot of people, like until they go through that, they'll never fully respect tattooing and what they have like i think you do have to get to a point where it's like you are going to lose this if you don't work hard and keep you you know put your head down um i mean it worked out for me so <laughs> okay <laughs> um how old is your daughter um she just turned two in april and then we've Aww. got a let's say you're having a we've, you've got some yeah we're having some a little boy yeah yeah we're having a, a boy in thank you um I kept it really quiet. Like we've known since January now, and I just—I mean, I only posted about it a couple of weeks ago, and I just—I don't, I, I, I don't like. You don't owe much. anybody anything to post about. Well, it, this is the thing. Right? So I mean, for anyone that's following me a while, I, I barely post anything about myself online. Like I do like it to just be tattooing. Um, yeah. But I was like, I thought I wasn't going to post anything, and I was like, I have to because if it affects work, like having to miss appointments because of you know midwife appointments or anything yeah. like that or if my girlfriend goes into labor early or anything like that it's like my customers have to know but it's literally been since i announced it it's just all people want to talk to me about now like, oh congratulations and uh, you haven't <laughs> when's it due and it's like i'm trying to tattoo and they just ask me about babies and i'm just like, <laughs> just like i care but i don't care like talk to me after work i'm all yours but like i love tattooing more <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah between the hours of uh, nine and six uh, I love tattooing more, but uh, I don't love tattoo anymore. I love it in a different way. It's, uh, yeah. It's my second, you know. It's, it's like, like your mistress. Family. Oh, 100%, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the best way to explain it, yeah. It's like, tattooing is my mistress. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know. When you said that you, you work alternate days, like I've just started doing a really similar thing, but I do like alternate Mondays and Fridays off and have Wednesdays yeah. and Sundays. But the way it's working out, on the weeks where I'm literally working alternate days, it's fucking great. I'll literally be like, off Sunday or no I'll be yeah off Sunday Monday working Tuesday off Wednesday off work oh no it works I'm the other way around so I'll be off Wednesday working Thursday off Friday working Saturday off Sunday Monday working Tuesday off Wednesday but then the following week like this week I'll, I was working Monday no I was off Monday working Tuesday off Wednesday but now I've got three days in a row and those three days seem like so long such hard work yeah. I'm like god three days in a row <laughs> whereas at one point I was tattooing for six days in a row and I had one day off <laughs> like yeah. I'm spoiled now but it's all lockdown it's just made everybody reevaluate. and um so many people I know so many tattooers that I was speaking to have said that they've cut it down to like three or four days max and you just I think it's not sustainable, is it? That the longer you tattoo and the older you get, and um, it is nice to try and maintain that balance. But yeah, when you've got kids, my daughter—I don't even know if she recognises me. To be honest, I've not really seen her for a few years. <laughs> She's been in her bedroom playing Xbox for since two thousand seven. But I like on the subject of lockdown, like making people reevaluate. It's, I think yeah, it's made people realise that they. They, don't, they either have a life outside of work or they don't have a life outside of work. Like for me, it, it was a really big reality check where it's like, I don't have anything outside of lockdown. I've still got like 
I have a family and stuff, but it's like, as far as, I've poured so much into tattooing that I don't feel like I have much to offer the real world. And I think that's like, it's quite, like outside of my little bubble of work and home. Yeah. As soon as I leave either of those places, I don't feel like anyone. Like, I don't feel like I have anything that gives back to the world, which is kind of weird in a sense, mm. but I don't know. But yeah, again, it's just because of how much I've poured into tattooing and a yeah. family life. It's, you know, it's there's always that sacrifice. And I, I do wish I had something else that was, I mean, I've got interest outside of tattooing, but it's, you know, they're getting less and less as the year goes by. Like, I just don't have the time or... Yeah, you know, I've had to sacrifice so much to be where I am that it's, it doesn't seem worth it. And it's, I mean, I used to growing up do a lot of like skateboarding and BMXing and you know various other extreme sports. And it's, nowadays, it's like if I try and do it and I injure myself, I've got to take time off. So it's yeah. And I've seen a lot of people now. It's like they've started over lockdown taking up these sports again. Like someone I know, um, quite local, like when she broke her wrist, literally the two days after going back to work broke her wrist and now she got another from, five weeks off from roller skating yeah actually luca yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I saw that. <laughs> and i really wanted to just message her and be like this is why we don't do things yes like, but it's like, this is why we don't take risks with our hands yeah. <laughs> this thing like i had it a few years ago I, um i i planned all these guest spots around europe and i was going to take a few months away from working in the uk and just travel and two days before um, I went BMXing and broke my hand and I just had to like just carry on. I was just yeah. I had to carry on working with a broken hand. And it's still not like oh perfect goodness. now, but it's this is the reality of it. It's like, you know, do you want to, you know, we've got to make money somehow. So it's yeah. kind of, you do have to sacrifice everything to be That's successful. And, and being self-employed as well, it's like, you know, we don't get sick pay. And mm. I mean, yeah. if you've got good insurance and stuff like that, you can get you know benefits and stuff but it's like you know and until you've gone through that you don't always think to set those kind of things up um so yeah yeah it's uh it's scary <laughs> it is but that's the sacrifice we have to make to be yeah. successful i guess and i don't know everyone you just have to find your own balance with it i think and it's yeah there's always going to be that push and pull definitely so do you still do any guest spots not so much anymore i got really burnt out with it i did just way too much in one go and it mm. just kind of i just really had to step back and then obviously since having my daughter now it's like i, I feel bad when i'm not here being at work's different like so i know i'm going to come back at the end of the day but for example like working down at rose mercy uh, in london is usually i'll travel there and back in the day but the few days i've had to stay overnight I just sat in the hotel room at night and I'm just like, I wish I was at home. And it's, Aww. I get, I get really homesick, but it's, um, it's hard. Like I, I do like being around things that I know and understand and I'm comfortable with. But I think that's, yeah. that was why I got so burnt out is I was guessing a lot in um, the Netherlands and in France and I'm really bad with language barriers. I can't, I mean, I don't speak any other language other than English, um, which I'm, I wish I did speak other languages, but I don't. But I really struggle to put, like, to express something if I can't use language, sort of thing. Like, so, like, being in other countries, trying to, 
you know, just navigate their cultures and things like that. It's like, it really freaked me out the one time. Um, and I just I had to really step back from it then. I was just like, I just can't. Like I want, I wanted that lifestyle of traveling all the time, but it just, it didn't suit what I was comfortable with. So yeah. I don't know. But that's why like since I came back, it was, and like being full-time in the shop, I just gave everything and just put everything into that. Just trying to build an environment that was everything I wanted it to be. So yeah, yeah again, it's just balance. You've got to find that balance to be comfortable with what you do and kind of excel I guess absolutely so what's next for you is there anything um you've got coming up anything exciting or any plans um not really it's just trying I mean the main thing is just trying to get back on back on track with being back at work and managing bookings and keeping a house over my roof over my head and (laughs) having a, a second child um yeah, making a human yeah so that's about it I mean I've got a few projects in the works I've been doing a while like I started um beginning of the year I've painted a whole flash book so that's going to be released when I can find the time to actually do it oh cool and then when I finish that one I painted another flash book and that's also going to be released at some point but yet again oh, I'm just yeah I've got I've got things ready to go but nothing right now that I'm kind of that desperate to release um yeah. I, I prefer to kind of play the long game with stuff and just wait for the right moment I feel yeah. like a lot of people at the moment especially coming just coming on the back end of lockdown is there's so many people really pushing certain projects whether that's like clothing brands or flash books or just selling physical um merch and stuff like that I kind of didn't want to just be just add to that like I want to yeah. wait I kind of want to wait until it feels right for me and be able to like really push it and have the time to promote certain things mm-hmm. um I, d- I do have something else coming out soon and um, what's that well maybe that's, <laughs> um <laughs> it's probably already out by now by, by the time you were listening to this um basically I've got a machine coming out if you can see that, that's that. it is it is cool. is that brass so yeah, the, the the side plate is brass, and then it's got that like is steel. Gorgeous! Oh, so nice. Stuff. So tell so tell us about your machine. How has it come about, and who have you collabed with, and to do it and so, so on? So anyone that's followed me for a little while will know that I'm pretty close with Dan Selfmade, who also runs Lockdown Needles. So I basically just got to know Dan just through. You know, chatting with him at conventions, and um, I own like a bunch of his machines and using needles pretty much exclusively. Um, and we'd always kind of talked about like if there was a the right time that we could get, you know, release something together that kind of made sense for both of us and could actually kind of make a bit of an impact. Um, so like one day I was just sort of like, I mean, I mentioned it kind of to him last year, like oh, if we could just kind of do, I if I like went down and kind of built some machines with him and just kind of got. You know just kind of helped him do that and obviously like you know covid happened and lockdowns and stuff like that and it never went anywhere and then the beginning of this year he was like looked like you know i want to do something and he was like you know how do you feel about fully designing and releasing a, mach- a machine together and i was like yeah let me think about it and then within an hour i messaged him back and i just had like 
a plan drawn up. I'd like a design of a frame and colorways and all this stuff. And I was like, this is how I want it, this is how I want it, this is how I want it. And he was like, cool, leave it with me. And then a couple Amazing. of weeks ago, he was like, he was like, it's done. So that was, it was pretty easy to be honest. And then I got them the, um, the prototype of it a couple of days ago. And honestly, it's like the best machine I've ever used. And I don't really use that term lightly. And it feels weird saying it because it's like got my name on it and saying it is the best <laughs> machine, which I didn't want to like, I was kind of brutally honest with myself as I look like, if it's not 100% how I want it, like I'm going to tell Dan. Yeah. I'm going to work with, and he said to me, he was like, look, like if it's not what you had in mind, like tell me and we'll make it how you want it. But so far, it's pretty much exactly what I want. Um, and I mean, hopefully people like it when it's released. Well, it looks flash. And we'll I, I'm but, not a um, coil user, but it looks nice to me. <laughs> so this is the thing um, is that I don't use coils that much myself. And this has kind oh, of brought really? me back to using coils, yeah. I own a lot of coils, but obviously yeah. uh, when you've been testing me so long, coils just aren't that nice on your wrist. So. Yeah. What do you normally use? What are your sort of standard machines that you use on a daily? Um, so I usually use a Rotary Works which I've had pretty much since I started out. I've got a few of those now, but there's one I use, I've used constantly for the past eight years. Which um, one is it? Plain brass? It's just a plain brass. It was just, yeah. I mean, that at the time when I got it, that was the only machine they did. So I yeah. got one. I mean, they were so, I mean, they're still cheap now, but I've, yeah. back when I got one, it was just over a hundred pounds, which is for now a machine is pretty much unheard of. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's like, I mean, and they're great guys. Like, they just, yeah they're so good and Dale just knows what he's on about so it's just you know Absolutely. any problem you ever do like I mean I've had very few problems with the machine but anytime I do I just message me it's like yeah we'll sort it like you know yeah. um we had them on but, and and a few people we've spoken to like I've used them um religiously like ever since I first started and everyone says the same like the service is so good if there's ever any yeah. sort of issue just they're so good about it and yeah I love the machines yeah, like I've, I've said to a few people now, it's like if, if I had to pick one machine, if I could only ever use one machine, like moving forward, like it would probably be a rotary work just because they're so versatile and they're so consistent. Yeah. Like, and they, they're not amazing at one thing. They're just good at everything. Like they're yeah. reliable. You know that if, if you're unsure what to use or what needle grouping to use, it's like you can just pick a rotary works, you know, mess with the voltage a bit and it's like you're good to go and you can kind of make yeah. it work. So they're great. Um, other than that, like I use, I've got a bunch of Dan Cubans, which I personally love. They're not for everyone. And they're kind of, I think now people are kind of seeing the different side of those machines. I think at first they were kind of sold as this, you know, answer to everything. It's like, get this machine, mm. you'll be the best tattoo in the world. And now there's been various things over the years where people either they're not so happy with the customer service or there's certain things that Dan Cuban's posted online that has made people yeah. question a lot of yeah. things. And I don't know. I think I don't like talking bad of people and, and I, I hate it because I love the machines, but I honestly just don't really care for anything he does outside yeah. of producing machines. Um, yeah. But so... And also, they're when, so like, expensive. They're such well, this expensive is the thing. Is, yeah. The first one I ever got from him was 350 
and I mean, this was like six years ago now, and I was like, oh, that's, not, that's a lot of money for a machine because yeah. the kind of going price of machines back then was like around, you know, under 200 if for like a custom yeah. built kind of like if you were buying something from the UK, um, you know, you kind of expect to pay about 200 pounds for a machine. And I mean, now, yeah. like the standard price of machines, three, 400 pounds. Like, and if you're buying yeah. a rotary, it's like you can pay 800 pounds. And I mean, there's so many Dankubin copies out there, and they're the same price as buying the real one now which makes no sense to me but yeah <laughs> i don't know and i mean they've all got like, every machine builder that does a machine that's been inspired by cuban like they've all got their reasons for charging so much but i think they're just capitalizing greedy on... yeah and that's what it is like yeah i don't know i mean you do get what you pay for but there are certain machine builders out there that are still doing real you know honest pricing and they're great machines you've just got to source yeah. them and and I think that's the thing we've done by his machines is there's no frills with them. And like, yeah. they are what they are, like what you see online and the, you know, what people say about them, like this, it's honest, like they're just great everyday machines. So, yeah. you know, when he asked me to do it, I was like, I'm not going to say no. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I own the, I own his machines. I use his machines and I've got nothing bad to say about them. Like for an everyday tattooing machine, like for just the, you know they're perfect and if you want something a bit more specialized talk to him and he'll build it or he'll tell you yeah. who to see and it'll probably That's be rotary it. works so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you generally can't go wrong with either um and they're, they're yeah. both great you know great companies great owners great employees so dan sent me his um his rotary machine i was like the first person to have it and i was the like, works one. Okay, yeah it came in a post yeah. and i was like ah holding this thing oh my god <laughs> and yeah i love it it's great it's uh, oh, have i missed you got out it? i'm getting one no i missed oh, out did you? One. i'm a bit upset i want I'll to ask you mine right for five grand yeah, yeah. sound let's go <laughs> Sorry, <Dan. laughs> i'm sure i could probably black one off and yeah i do what i will i I think he's just doing the V2 now, so I might have to uh, pre-order one of those before I miss out again. Yeah. But I think everyone else should go and buy one now. Like, <laughs> pre-order now. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I think he said that he's going to bring out some aluminium ones as well, which is good for me because I'm really? a little weakling. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's lush. I would... Um, yeah, if you buy... Uh, maybe not five grand. I'll, I'll let you have it for seven. So just yeah, drop me a DM. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I get my people to call your people. Yeah. <laughs> no, you I was going to say, I don't, think I, I don't think I need any more machines. I didn't need more machines until Dan built this one for me, but uh, yeah, here we are, now promoting a machine. So if you think you've got too many machines, you don't get more from Dan <laughs> yeah. or works. Get this one, this machine. Yeah, this is what you need. But I'm not, no. I don't want to plug the machine. It's a good machine. Like, yeah. Be proud of it. Plug it. Like this is super cool. Yeah. I just, just don't want to come across that like I'm not. It's not. It's not going to change the world. This machine, and that's not the purpose of it. Like if you like my work and you like dance machines, like you know, this is a good yeah. machine. But I'm not going to sit here and say you're going to be the best tattoo in the world because it's you know it's just a machine. So. <laughs> Just a machine with my name on it. That's yeah, but you know, it's nice looking 
(laughs) my cat was like climbing all over me during this whole conversation and there's probably going to be like intense purring into the microphone for the whole of that (laughs) so Uh if Mick hasn't been able to edit that out then that's what that noise was it wasn't me purring about (laughs) Rotary Works and Dan (laughs) self-made although they're both lovely they're all lovely people so (laughs) um I don't think have you got any questions Mick is there anything else you'd like to ask everything covered I think I think that was really cool so it's been so nice to chat to you thank you so much thank you very much Um, thank you it's yeah really it's it is just one of the best things about this is meeting new people and making all of our guests our friends so that's what's going to happen now (laughs) that's all good thank you for having me thank you for being a good host and uh making it an easy conversation oh well when people say like i was if there's people that we don't know i was trying to say like you know we're just massive dicks there's not we're not professional there's gonna be cats and there's um don't be don't be worried we're just absolute knobheads just winging it so (laughs) um, we're all winging it everyone's winging it yeah (laughs) absolutely especially Mick so um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's been lush thank you so much and hopefully we can hang out and meet you in person soon and um I would definitely like to come and get tattooed so thank you so much yeah thanks mate no problem thank you for having me cheers then bye-bye bye Bye now